Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Here in our second segment, we're going to be talking about the plan to release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes here in California, actually at the southern end of the Central Valley, and they're part of a big test to reduce the prevalence of a new kind of mosquito that's been spreading uh, new to California, mosquito that's been spreading northwards and that carries various kinds of diseases. We're joined this morning by Lisa Krieger, science writer with the San Jose Mercury News. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Good morning, Alexis. Dana Pearls, Oakland-based food and technology program manager with Friends of the Earth. Welcome, Dana. Oh, and no Dana yet. She'll be here soon. Let's start off with you, uh, Lisa. Can you tell us uh, just sort of what is the actual current plan for the release of these genetically modified mosquitoes? Yeah, it's it's fascinating and 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 controversial. So, Oxitec, British company, is seeking permission from the state regulators to release these genetically modified mosquitoes um, into the open air of California for the first time later this year. So, we're in the public comment period now through April nineteenth. Basically, what these mosquitoes have is a kill switch that's been it's a synthetic gene inserted into the male mosquitoes, not the female. Um, so that when they mate with the wild females, the offspring die, you know, and, the, and there's a eventual collapse of the population. So they're essentially killing their own offspring. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the plan is basically to, there's a lot of concern down in Tulare County um, from the vector control folks about continuing to spray pesticides. And there is a mosquito problem that we can elaborate on and, and, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that, just because I, I didn't think we had this particular species of mosquito up here. Right, exactly. Well, we didn't <laughs> for a long time. Um, so it's called Aedes aegypti. It's it's found typically in the southern hemisphere, um, but it was found in Los Angeles in 2011, and it has since spread northward into 20 different California counties. You know, not here in the Bay Area. We we tend to not have a whole lot of standing water. You know, it's a cooler climate. 
But this expanding population is, is a real concern. And, and the concern is that they'll spread disease. Um, and certainly they do spread disease in other places like Zika and dengue and yellow fever and viruses like that. They don't hear, which is sort of the core of part of the controversy. We've, we've never had a case of disease in which, or a case in which this Aedes aegypti has, has transmitted disease. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's out there on the horizon. We, we, when we think about dangerous animals, we, we tend to think of like lions and tigers and sharks and snakes. And, but globally, mosquitoes are the world's deadliest animal. And mm. I think the folks in the Central Valley, and as you mentioned, this is down in Visalia where the plant is, um, they're really concerned that, that as these mosquitoes proliferate, that we'll, they'll introduce problems. But they Do haven't this, oh, so Yeah. yeah. Do we think this is climate linked, like these mosquitoes essentially are moving into this terrain because it's warmer? Or do we think it's just a, a, a you know, I, old I school yeah, invasive species? Yeah, yeah, I think it's old school invasive species, which, as we know, in California is a huge problem. It's once you introduce some and it's, it's a consequence largely of global travel and global transit. You know, you, all it takes is two mosquitoes in an airplane and it can be moved all the way to the other side of the world. Um, very, very quickly. Now, certainly climate change isn't going to help, right? Um, but yeah, it's, and the fact that it spreads so quickly as far as it's from like Imperial to the South, all the way up to Shasta in what, like, you know, 11 years. So mm. that's the concern. Yeah. That's a lot of miles per year for exactly. a tiny mosquito. Exactly. So uh, last question before we bring in some other folks are companies just able to do this kind of release or, or we know they need to get state approval, but they had to get EPA approval first, right? They did have to get EPA approval and they got a EPA approval. Um, and, and the EPA is going to be watching this closely and, and they're all sides types of, or, you know, there's a strategy for rollbacks if you can, if there seem to be problems and we can get into that in greater detail, but it does need the okay of the state department of pesticide regulation. I do want to say here that the county vector control folks are completely on board, um, mm -hmm. the Solari County. Um, so there's no, at least within that mosquito control district, mm -hmm. um, there's a huge amount of support. Uh, and but the state still needs state needs to weigh in. Got it. And and there's a lot of concern that there hasn't been adequate review and public consultation and. And scientific problems like hybridization, we can we can get into that. For sure. We're talking about plans to release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes in the very southern end of the Central Valley. We've been talking with uh, Lisa Krieger, science writer at San Jose Mercury News, who's been covering this closely. And we want to bring in Dana Pearls, the Oakland-based food and technology program manager with Friends of the Earth. Welcome to the show, Dana. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi. We're also joined by Rajiv Vyajanathan, uh, director of U.S. programs at Oxitec, a biotech company based in the United Kingdom. Welcome, Rajiv. Hi, good morning. Uh, so, Rajiv, I want to start with you. Uh, I've been covering Oxitec for probably 15 years now, um, and I am curious, I expected more data about how this program works to be you know, published in peer-reviewed journals, where where can people who are curious about this topic, but maybe 
skeptical in general of genetically modified organisms, where can they go in the scientific literature to find the safety data they might be looking for and the efficacy data they might be looking for uh, on your Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, we've, we've completed about a year of uh, evaluation in Florida. And so we are compiling those data now uh, for publication that's not out yet. However, we have submitted our reports to the EPA um, and to the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, or FDACs, um, and to the California Department of Pesticide Regulation, or DPR, um, so that they are um, aware of what we've done. Um, on our website, we also have a link to over 70 peer-reviewed publications, um, not just on mosquitoes, but on other insects that we've worked with, including uh, fruit flies, soybean looper, fall armyworm. And so the technology in a way is agnostic of what that species might be. Uh, the, uh, the technology is the same, essentially, the self-limiting gene technology. Um, and we have applied that to other insects as well. So if people are interested in learning more, certainly it is available um, on the EPA website. It is available on our website. We do have a link to those papers as well. Uh, and we have been presenting these data uh, in the last year. I personally have, have been at the American Mosquito Control Association, AMCA, at the Mosquito and Vector Control Association of California, MVCAC, the Florida Mosquito Control Association, the New Jersey Mosquito Control Association, yeah. and the Wyoming Mosquito Control Association. So we have uh, publicized a lot of the data, uh, not only from the last year, but from the last 10 years. Right. Because you actually have been conducting these trials around the world for, yeah, something like 10 years now, right? Since the first public release? That's right. Uh, we have over 10 years of, uh, of data and um, uh, projects that we've completed. Uh, and in the last 10 years, we've released about a billion of our male mosquitoes. Uh, and, uh, you know, Lisa uh, you know, correctly identified that it's the male mosquitoes that don't bite, female mosquitoes do bite, which is an important distinction for the listeners. Mm -hmm. And when the male mosquitoes mate with the local invasive female mosquitoes, that insemination does lead to fertilization. So there's nothing sterile about it. And when those female mosquitoes lay eggs, those eggs are viable. Those eggs hatch and the second generation males live and they emerge as adults, but the female progeny die. So it is a self-limiting gene that is expressed in the next generation females, resulting in female lethality in the larvae. Yeah. So, you know, one big question, the technique you know, conceptually is is pretty elegant and seems to work uh, in in the trials that I have seen of it. But do you have to keep releasing the insects sort of over and over and over in order to continue suppressing the population? And does it continue to work as well over time? I love that. That's a really sensitive question. I love it. You, you kind of have to think about it um, as a pesticide in a way. Um, there's, there is no one and done when you spray a chemical pesticide because there is reintroduction of invasive pests. And so we have not tried, uh, it's certainly not been the goal to eradicate or eliminate the species Aedes aegypti in our U.S. site, uh, the places we've been working in the Florida Keys. 
uh, we do expect because it is a self-limiting gene that it, it finally does, uh, it, it disappears, right? So there is no more. It does not keep propagating as we found uh, in our projects in Florida. And so, yes, we would expect that there would have to be inundative releases for this to be operationally feasible. We have not evaluated that for more than a year because we've only really done this for one year in Florida to date. We're talking about plans to release genetically modified mosquitoes in Central Valley of California with Rajiv Vajinatan, the director of U.S. programs at Oxitec, a biotech company based in the United Kingdom that's been working on these things for about 15 years. We also have Dana Pearls, Oakland-based food and technology program manager with Friends of the Earth, and Lisa Krieger, science writer with the San Jose Mercury News. We'd love to get your questions about the release of genetically modified mosquitoes in this case, trying to control this particular invasive species. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. You can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Dana Pearls with Friends of the Earth. Uh, What specifically are you worried about with the release of these genetically modified uh, mosquitoes? Yeah, thanks. There are a number of concerns ranging from environmental and public health and that we just don't need this technology. I think you started out with one of the biggest concerns about the transparency. And although uh, Oxitec has claimed that there is information, the public really deserves the most complete data available. And that data should be available before a decision, not after. You know, in the EPA documents, there's a lot of blacked out information on public health and allergenicity, and this is key information for us to be reviewing. Um, This is an experiment. No experiment can claim to be 100%, and we really need to know what the risks are ahead of a release. The design is is really problematic. Um, The the fact that they do claim that the females won't survive But again, this is an experiment, and we don't actually know that they won't survive. We need to be looking at the risks, including if it comes in contact with tetracycline, for example, um, a a chemical antibiotic that is incredibly um, present in agricultural areas like Visalia. But I do want to back up um, and say that there aren't peer-reviewed studies about this new version of the GE mosquito, at least not that I have found anywhere on the, on the website, anywhere publicly. There may be about other insects and old versions of the mosquito, but that's kind of like looking at an old model of a different type of a car. And that field trial data is really critical. If it's been so successful, you know, why hasn't it been peer-reviewed by independent scientists. We need to see the data. We need to see the science. We need verification. And that data needs to be in the public realm, not behind closed doors at conferences. And that data needs to be public before a decision and not after. Um, In Brazil, there were a number of concerns, namely that the science may not work There was a hybrid mosquito, as Lisa alluded to, that researchers saw. Um, And there were question marks about this mosquito, this hybrid new invasive mosquito, actually being more aggressive, that it could be more aggressive, more virulent, more resistant to pesticides. 
Although, didn't they have about the novel? Yeah, I'm familiar with the paper, but didn't they then have to publish a letter of editorial concern saying, well, we don't actually know that this would be this hybrid mosquito, that is to say, surviving mosquitoes from the ones that were released by Oxitec, interbreeding with the native species that were there and creating, uh, you know, a, a new population that they weren't. Yeah, you know, they don't know that those would be more more virulent or would would have necessarily changed behavior, right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Right, but yeah. that is exactly what science is about, right? Science is about raising the questions and then following those questions. This study and and Oxitec science has been riddled with red flags, incredibly critical questions that we need to have answered very little public information and we need to know the answers to those questions ahead of an experimental release right this is a technology that once you release it into the environment you can't recall it so if that uh, experiment results in females being released what are the public health risks where is that allergenicity information as as we were just talking about where is the data on the sterile insect technique not just the hypothetical goals, but show us the data, let there be independent scientific review, and have that happen ahead of a decision, not afterwards. Rajiv, let's uh, come to you. I assume you probably want to address uh, some of the things that Dan said. Uh, maybe let's start out with the idea that, that, that none of the females survive, right? I mean, I think in your um, clinical trial work, or your maybe clinical trial is actually too precise of a term, yeah. in the laboratory trial work, uh, a, a small percentage of the mosquitoes survive, right? Which means there will be some um, surviving population that, that was well, interbred. In, um, for a year in Florida, we have three lines of evidence indicating that no females uh, survive to adulthood. Uh, we, we collect eggs in the areas where we've released males, and we bring those eggs back into the lab, hatch them, identify the species. So it might be Aedes aegypti or other Aedes species. Uh, and we look for fluorescence because in addition to having the uh, female lethality phenotype, which selects for uh, female larvae dying uh, at a young stage, in addition, they also carry a fluorescent protein. And so we can easily screen and distinguish between the local invasive species and those which our boys have sired. Uh, When we find fluorescent larvae, we raise them. The larvae then pupate and they emerge. And every single fluorescent larva has emerged as a male. So that's one line of evidence that any mosquito that carries uh, this gene is emerging as a male. We have not found any female emergence. In addition, every time we put out a release box, we also put out kind of a, a sister or a cohort box. So that way we can do a one-to-one uh, collection. So the cohort boxes we place inside butterfly boxes, you know, the kind that the kids Uh, might raise butterflies in. And then we vacuum them. So that way we can count exactly how many are coming out side by side, right? So same eggs, same water, same food, same microclimate, except one set of boxes is inside a butterfly mesh. 
uh, so we can count them and we can identify the sex. So this is our second line of evidence. Every single adult that emerged from our release boxes was male. And our third line of evidence... Rajiv, we may have to say the third line of evidence for after the break. We're talking about plans to release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes in Central Valley of California. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more on this fascinating topic after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the plan to release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes in Central Valley of California with Lisa Krieger, science writer at the San Jose Mercury News, Dana Pearl's food and technology program manager, the Friends of Earth, and Rajiv Vidyanathan, director of U.S. programs at Oxitec, a biotech company based in the U.K., Getting your calls into on this release of these mosquitoes. Uh, tons of them coming in. Call the numbers 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at KQED Forum. And the email's forum at kqed.org. Before the break, Rajiv, you were going through the lines of evidence that you'd want to present that females, that is to say the biting um, species continuing uh, mosquitoes uh, don't actually result from your releases. Um, can you t- you can just finish or, that up? Yeah, and then... yeah, I'll keep it brief. Yeah, sorry to have uh, done that. The first line is really when we collect eggs and we have larvae and we find that uh, the progeny uh, only emerges males. Um, we also collected uh, side-by-side cohort boxes and found that only males emerged. And the third line of evidence is um, independent monitoring and surveillance that, that, yes, both we did and the Florida Keys Mosquito Control District helped with using conventional surveillance traps where we collected adult mosquitoes. Of course, we got a lot of different species. When we look at Aedes aegypti and we look for either fluorescence or for genetic typing, we found that the individuals that carry our gene were only males. And so we have three independent lines of evidence indicating that only male mosquitoes um, are emerging from our release boxes. All right, let's uh, let's get to uh, Lisa Krieger. Can you just tell us the sort of walk us through the approval process that sort of remains here um, before this this release would actually happen? My understanding is, um, as I mentioned, we're in public comment period now with the Department of Pesticide Regulations, so people can email their comments there, uh, and then. 
There will be ongoing monitoring and we can discuss that. If, if there are problems, the company, my understanding is, I don't know if the company or the state could apply pesticides to um, eliminate them. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, the, the EPA has given its tentative green light. So what we're, but what we're looking for now is, is state approval. Mm-hmm. You know, have you encountered or, or heard from a lot of people who are opposing this in the community or are supporting in the community? We mentioned sort of the mosquito control authorities down there are for it. Uh, are you hearing from other folks? Um, there are activists down there who express a lot of Dana's concerns, and that is they don't want to be an experiment for something. And they just want more data, they want more transparency, and they want assurance of greater oversight. Uh, it's, you know, that th- there's a pesticide problem as well, right? That there are a lot of pesticides being applied. And I think there's also sensitivity that, that that's an issue we need to deal with also. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what makes it so interesting is like, it's, it's really complicated. And there are a lot of really persuasive arguments on either side. Right. And trade-offs. Yeah, you're right. Trade-offs. Um, trade-offs. Uh, let's bring in uh, Jerry from the East Bay. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Hi. Um, my question was, you've done all this study to kill off the females, and we know everything evolves in order to live. Have you done any studies to see if the male evolves in order to overcome that? Hmm. Yeah, thank you for that, Jerry. I think... But I think one of me, the concerns that has been raised, Rajiv, is that the female mosquitoes would preferentially stop mating with your mosquitoes, right? And would instead um, start mating with wild type mosquitoes, making it less effective, right? That was kind of the the evolutionary response that uh, that I think has been raised in, in the scientific literature, at least. Right. Uh, well, it is something that we have evaluated. Uh, and we find that uh, our males are as competitive as um, as the local males, and so we have not found uh, any uh, any discrimination, uh, any female discrimination between mating with our males and with other males. Hmm. Uh, and to the uh, caller's point, it should it's worth emphasizing that in mosquitoes, only the female bites, right, and so. That's not a choice or a preference. Uh, The entire physiology of a female mosquito from the morphology and contents of the salivary glands to the armature of the mouth parts to the enzymes produced in the gut, all of that is um, associated with blood feeding in female mosquitoes. Male mosquitoes cannot even pierce vertebrate skin and they cannot feed on blood. Thank you for that. You know, Dana Pearl's Food and Technology Program Manager with Friends of the Earth. The thing I wanted to ask you is, what data could Oxitec present if they chose to do so, understanding that may may not have, that would where you would say, okay, this makes sense, let, let's do it? Thanks. I think it's a great question. There's a lot of data that would be helpful. First of all, it would be helpful to actually see the data from the lab Um, about the sterile insect uh, techniques that Rajiv was discussing. Um, It's one thing to hear it from the the company. It's another to have independent scientists actually review it and have that be available in the EPA and the DPR 
um, comments. Uh, there's a lot of information about public health that has been blackened out. And when we've done freedom of information requests, that information has been denied. Um, and we don't think that public health data should be considered. What, what do you um, like specifically? What kind of public health data are you looking sure. for? Sure. If if a female mosquito is released because, let's say, it comes in contact with tetracycline, which is very pervasive in the environment, particularly in agricultural regions like Visalia. So let's say the female survives, which is very possible. Um, what are the allergenicity concerns? That was completely blocked out. Uh, what are the impacts of the novel protein that is passed through the saliva of the female mosquito? We don't know. That is information that should be in the public realm that should not be confidential. Um, that there's a lot of data that, Rajiv, you were just discussing about the labs. However, the EPA has in the past, and, and Oxitech could do caged trials first. We don't actually need to jump from the lab to the environment with a new pesticide. There can be caged trials so that those mosquitoes could be in the environment of interest without actually being out in the open environment. Um, there is still data... Well, pa- pause there for one sec. Where... Pa- Oh, pause there for just just one second. I want to just ask for you. How how come not do uh, cage trials? And and I think in general, Oxitec has been for field trials, just straight to field trial, and and not cage trials. Sure. Uh, I think the most important aspect there is really the um, flight distance and looking at the very basic biological parameters of Aedes aegypti itself. Aedes aegypti is a highly domestic, peri-domestic species. Uh, And so it tends to feed and breed in and around people's homes. Um, And um, frankly, a a small cage trial uh, would not accurately reflect what you would expect uh, in a neighborhood. The goal ultimately is to use uh, this and and other technologies as a neighborhood-wide tool as just another tool for integrated vector management, integrated mosquito management. Um, the kind of data that, that I think uh, any environmental group would want to know is just how useful and applicable would this be uh, on an operationally feasible level. And for something like that, um, we've had really good um, participation and support in Brazil. Uh, we've had widespread, uh, you know, I, I really went into it expecting something more scary. Uh, I thought the, the public response would be, you know, what, what I had heard. The fact is we have worked with very supportive, uh, widespread, well-informed homeowners in the Florida Keys. And uh, once they know what we're doing, what we're proposing, we ask for their permission. We ask for homeowners to volunteer. They point to their bougainvillea and they say, please put a box there. Um, and so, of course, not everyone, I'm assuming, but right. Yeah. 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 I, I want to get to a few more uh, listener comments. There's, there's quite a few here I want to get to. Uh, Lore writes, I worked in mosquito control for the city of San Francisco for many years and have had major change in my views on mosquitoes. Mosquitoes serve as a major food source for all sorts of wildlife. Eradication seems like a short-sighted answer. 
why aren't we focusing our energy on living with mosquitoes instead of breaking this link in the ecosystem? Lisa Krieger, have you encountered this particular criticism and how would you uh, respond to it? Yes, and it's a a legitimate one. Um, We have 20 different species of mosquitoes, native mosquitoes in California. The concern is this invasive mosquito and it behaviorally, it's quite different. It's um, our native mosquitoes tend to emerge at dusk and at night. And this invasive mosquito is is out during the day when people are outside. And um, as was mentioned, typically more urban areas. Mm. So they absolutely do. Our native mosquitoes play an essential role in the you know ecological web. Um, but with this invasive mosquito, that's not so much what we're talking about. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Yeah. Let's go to another call here. I think I want to... It's tough because, as you can hear, there's quite opposing viewpoints on this, and and Lisa has done an amazing job kind of weaving those together. And I think we see in our our calls as well as in the comments um, this same breakdown. Maybe let's go to the physiology of what's happening, give people just a little more information. Elaine writes, I'm interested in knowing at what stage do the females die and what change in the genetics causes their death. I'm interested in the physiology of this process. Rajiv, can you tell us a little more about that for people who want to just know the science of it? Yeah, straightforward. Um, you know, so metamorphosis, right? You're familiar with an egg a caterpillar, a pupa, and an adult butterfly, right? So that's a a complete metamorphosis. So mosquitoes are also insects that have a complete metamorphosis. And they also have an egg, a larva, which is aquatic, a pupa, which is aquatic, and an aerial adult. Uh, This gene is expressed in the second or third instar of the larva. And instar is just a stage of larval development. There are four uh, larval instars in mosquitoes. And this gene is turned on. It's like a light switch. It's turned on in the larvae that are females. And that results in the death of the female larvae. Let's uh, take another uh, comment here. Austin writes, if community members don't want this experiment, will Oxitec stop? Will Oxitec tell communities uh, where they want to release before a decision? And Dana, uh, I wanted to ask you... If you like, let's say this process goes ahead, what kind of community engagement and sort of ongoing monitoring would you like to see from from your perspective? It's a great question. And unfortunately, I think it's putting the cart before the horse a little bit. 
Um, first of all, we need to have full disclosure of all of the data that we're hearing about. We're hearing about these conclusions. We need all the transparent data for the public to review before any decision is made. Uh, so that, that is important, including where in Tulare County these potential releases are happening um, so that we can analyze the tetracycline presence, so that we can look at endangered species, so that we can understand the public health risks. Um, there needs to be real public engagement. You know, Lisa mentioned right now we're in the middle of a 15-day public comment period, which we're almost halfway through. And um, there needs to actually be real public engagement. The Department of Pesticide Regulation needs to have a public comment period um, closer to 60 days. It needs to be in Spanish. There needs to be public meetings across the county uh, for public comments that can be oral. Um, there needs to be a much more education and engagement with communities. As of right now, there hasn't been any, and that needs to happen from the Department of Pesticide Regulation. But on the part of opposition, you know, we saw Florida was exploding in the Florida Keys with protests, with rallies, with hour-long meetings with the Mosquito Control District in opposition. There were signs, there were billboards, uh, there were there was so much opposition, and that was just bulldozed. There was even a referendum where people in the Keys voted against the release of genetically engineered mosquitoes. Oh, I thought they voted people for it. Well, At the time that the vote yeah. in 2016 happened, the vote was only specifically for Key Haven, which is a city in the Florida Keys. That was the only place being proposed for release. And so the vote asked, Key Haven, this release is for you. Do you want this? And the majority of people voted no. They also asked in the greater county, and the greater county hadn't had any public education because at the time, the release was only for that one town. When the community asked for another referendum for the new overall Monroe County, the Mosquito Board uh, said no, they would not take a vote. The other the thing also is that that vote was for an old version of an old mosquito. We have a new mosquito. We have new locations. We have new residents. And so people in Tulare County should not be experimented on. People should have the free and prior informed consent. They should so, be able to opt out of being a live experiment. So I wanted to uh, let people know that they can actually comment on this, you know, not not just on forum. There is a, a process that's going on uh, here in the state of California. You can go to cdpr.ca.gov. Um, they actually set up an email too, mosquito.ra at cdpr.ca. Uh, gov. You know, Lisa Krieger, I, I wanted to, to end with you because I, I feel like they're, these genetic modification technologies have been changing very rapidly. We obviously have CRISPR, among other um, technologies that allowed us to, to modify more and more things. In your science reporting, do you see other, more organisms coming around like this as the techniques become uh, easier and, and more organisms are, are changed? I do, and I'm, I'm really glad you raised that point. So U.S. Department of Ag is looking at it to eradicate a moth in New York. It's called invasive diamondback moth. Um, it eats vegetable crops. There's a, a bullworm in Arizona that eats cotton. So they're looking at it for application there. I also wanted just before we wrap up that the specific release and the pilot project will be in you know Visalia, which is down. People know it's the entry to Sequoia Kings Canyon. 
but there could be potential releases in Fresno, San Bernardino and, and Stanislaus as well. Um, but you're absolutely right. And, and people have heard about the salmon that uh, grow more quickly with less food. I think this really is, and then, and then of course, you know, the gene drive technology, which I'm sure Alexis, you're familiar with, uh, which does use CRISPR. It makes, um, it really upsets the typical rules of heredity. That's much more controversial than what we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. But UC San Diego is is modifying that to yeah. um, just create a more nuanced technology. Yeah. But it's absolutely the future. Thanks so much, Lisa. We've been talking about plans to release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes in California. And I just want to thank our guests, well as uh, our listeners, for being willing to engage uh, in, in this way. It's tough around GMOs, as I think we all know in this area, and I, I really do appreciate Rajiv Vidyanathan, Director of U.S. Pro- Programs with Oxitec, coming on. Uh, thank you, Rajiv. Thank you, and, Alexis. And Dana Pearls, Food and Technology Program Manager at Friends of the Earth. Appreciate you coming on as well to, uh, to share your perspective. Thank you, Dana. Thank you so much. And Lisa Krieger, science writer at the San Jose Mercury News. Thank you for guiding us through this difficult terrain. And you can obviously follow her uh, coverage there at the Merc. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, Alexis. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul the Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul the Story are available now.